right, glad you're with us on a Friday. What a week this has been. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. A lot coming up in the course of the program today. We're going to spend quite a bit of time uh, talking about the great state of Georgia and all that we have watched and witnessed there in the last 24 hours. And it's just a, a month and a day. It's December 4th, January 5th. These two Senate runoff races happen. Uh, there's actually a Trafalgar poll. That's where our friend Robert Cahaley has one out today. Actually has Loeffler up by five, Purdue down by one. Survey USA had both candidates, I believe, down by about one, one or two. Uh, Matt Towery had Purdue up one and Loeffler down one. Uh, I mean, so I just, you know, right now it's just too close to call. Uh, the president will be headed down to Georgia for a rally. I think it's at seven o'clock tomorrow night. I'm going to be watching that closely. Um, and the president, very adamant about this. You know, if you just look at it from the president's standpoint, some people maybe in Georgia frustrated by everything that they see. And by the way, I'm, I share your frustration. I really do, as I've been very vocal about it. And thinking that, you, well, you know, we didn't fix this one. I'm not going to vote in this. No, everything is on the line here. And by the way, including how this would impact all of the accomplishments that the president spent the last four years killing himself fighting for, um, you know, you give control of the, the Senate to Democrats and the House. They're going to be investigating the president and his family in perpetuity. It'll never end ever. You saw what uh, Robert Mueller's pit bull said in the New York Times. I mean, it's just pretty despicable, to be honest, about, oh, no, if Biden's president, his A.G., his AG actually needs to uh, to to go out and investigate um, uh, the president further. Uh, what is he talking about? Russia, the Russia hoax. He spent three years doing this. He was the lead guy. They found nothing. They didn't find a thing. And now he wants to drag his family through it. You know, uh, Ivanka Trump. I don't know if you know this. I think it was yesterday or the day before she spent five plus hours in a deposition. You know how miserable depositions are with the Democratic uh, D.C. Attorney General's office. And it was about the issue of the inauguration in 2016 and the rates charged by the Trump Hotel at the inauguration because the president has has the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. long before he ever thought of running for president. He acquired it. And they renovated it and they turned it into a really, really nice property. I've been there like once or twice. I've never stayed there. I don't think I stayed there. Did we ever stay there, Linda? I don't think so. Um, anyway, I shared with them, uh, uh, she points out, an email from four years ago. They had this email. They still brought her in and harassed her for five hours. This is the email from her to this other person or these other people. Um and the topic is uh, buyout minimum. Uh, she writes, December 16th, 2016. Just seeing this, why don't you call and negotiate? It should be a fair market rate. In other words, okay, she's on record in an email saying it. This is not a case that you need to sit before an AG unless we're criminalizing political differences. That's, you know, the Democrats take power in the Senate. That's at stake for the whole Trump family. And after reading that piece with Weissman, I said, this is ridiculous. He wants, after three years of his witch hunt, he wants the witch hunt to never end. 
When I keep saying this is about rage and hate and psychosis, I'm not making these these terms up. They there is a visceral emotional component to this that is it is psychotic it is rage it is out of control it is unhinged and then to you know now use the prosecutorial abuse that is happening against the whole family the whole time and by the way it's not like these people are very consistent it's not like they really cared about russian interference because none of the, the the democrats nobody in Mueller's office the media mob big tech seem to care at all about a real Russian misinformation dossier to impact the 2016 race. Hillary actually paid for it. And then, of course, it became the, the bulk of information without which, according to McCabe and Yates and so many others, they wouldn't have had a FISA warrant. Yet they used it. And it was never verifiable because it's been debunked. The PP tape that, oh, Donald Trump had hookers in the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow peeing on his bed. I mean, that's how nuts it was from day one. That was the basis of the freaking FISA applications. And there were four of them. And even after they they literally found the, the source of Christopher Steele in January of 2017, and the source said, no, this, none of this is true. This was all bar talk. None of it verifiable. Remember, it says on the top of a FISA application verified. And I'm like, okay, if this is what they're saying they're going to do, Pay close attention to how I'm saying this. They are they're threatening now the family in perpetuity. People of Georgia can stop that in a month and a day. They're threatening all the agenda. You have the Democrats have control of the Senate. They will undo every bit of hard work and every accomplishment that has been made the last four years. We can't let that happen. Georgia, you cannot let that happen. Please. This matters. Anyone telling you this doesn't impact Trump's work, it does. His family, it does. And it also impacts, you know, preserving as much as we possibly can of, of some of the most successful policies we've ever seen implemented by any president in modern day. You know, it's, this, this, this really matters, and it frustrates me when I hear people say that it does not. And I and frankly, I can understand people. You're frustrated. You see, you know, we all watch what happened yesterday with the release of this tape and the Senate hearings that went on about voting irregularities in the state of Georgia. And, you know, one witness claiming the, the vote counting continued. But that was after they kicked out partisan observers. This is all on videotape surveillance fit footage. We went through it in great detail tonight. I'll show it again tonight. After the observers were asked to leave the room, several large, mysterious suitcases filled with ballots. All of a sudden, you kick out the partisan observers. So now we're going to pull out from this big rectangle table from underneath it. We got these these huge suitcases. We'll roll them out with ballots. And then the people that were left in the room and they kicked the media out. I understand the Fox affiliate was one of them. WXIA in Georgia. And they, they were one of the people kicked out of there. Anyway, the video observers asked to leave the vote counting location. And then it shows certain, those certain few workers were allowed to stay, just that certain few. And those workers who, who stayed behind, they're the ones that, after the other observers were out of the room, then started wheeling out the suitcases. And, well, why were the suitcases under the table? Why were they only rolled out after the observers were asked to leave? You know, beyond serious, you know, need of investigation. 
you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm praying that the people of Georgia, uh, the Republicans now are understanding what is at stake here. And I'm, I really am hoping that the, the people in Georgia uh, are going to have poll watchers. They've got to insist now, now, that considerations for social distancing with the rise of COVID around the country. Oh, it's, oh, listen, even Dr. Fauci said, no, you can vote in person safely. Nobody wanted to listen to that narrative of Dr. Fauci. If you wear masks and you are socially distant, okay, with the, the, the statutory language allowing partisan observers to watch the vote counting from start to finish, well, you got to make the social distancing considerations ahead of time. Now, is that hard to do? It's not hard at all. Because what it should mean is, okay, somebody that is counting the ballot six feet away over their shoulder, one person on each side, hold up the ballot. Okay, see, I'm going to open it. Okay, here's the ballot. Here's the signature on the ballot. Here's the actual ballot. It's a vote for, you know, the votes are here. Walk over, put it on, put it at a location six, ten feet away, whatever. Let the Democrat go over and examine it. Let the Republican go over and examine it. They'll be in a mask. They'll be alone. They, but we, but everybody can see it. And then you take it back, and then you show people how it was marked, or if it's put in the machine, and make sure that the machine cranks out the right result. That's it. I mean, that's what it takes. That's real partisan observing. That's what the law requires. Those considerations need to be taken into account now. Now they have, you know, as part of this stupid deal that the Secretary of State made. With after being sued by the Georgia Democratic Party. Remember, they were planning this in March in Georgia. You ought to be angry about that, Georgia. This didn't just happen out of thin air. This did not happen on its own. This was planned. The Democratic National, uh, the Senate Campaign Committee, Congressional Campaign Committees, they sue. Secretary of State makes these, these accommodations where they have a separate verification system for mail-in ballots versus people that vote day of, election day voters. Election day voters had to present a photo ID, and they had their signature verification through the state database, which should be used for everybody. But this agreement with the Democrats after the lawsuit in March, well, then they changed it that if you mail in your ballot, well, as long as the application for the for the mail-in ballot matched the, the signature on the ballot, well, if the person that is applying for it is not the right person, then of course it's going to match and you're not going to catch it. That's the point. I mean, it's so then they agreed to these stupid, uh, the people that determine the standards were Democrats only, no Republicans. Then they agreed to these stupid drop boxes. Is anybody watching the chain of custody for all these ballots at these drop box locations? Republicans need to be all over that now in Georgia. Anyway, so the president's going to be be down there and we're going to be watching very closely uh, everything that's happening there. And it's important that we get it right. It's important for the president. It's important for Georgia. It's important for the country. By the way, W.A.G.A. is the Fox O&O there. Uh, I apologize for that. And my friends in Georgia uh, want to get these things right. We don't like to get things wrong. Now, some other news that we had. And, well, and this is the other thing. So the governor goes on last night on Laura Ingram's show. And he says he wants signature verification. I'm like, okay. And he's he's excoriating his own Secretary of State for not having that checked. And then, but then he went on to say, and I'll play it later in the program, that 
you know, that it, up to the secretary of state to change the, the rules, not him. No, but he has the authority, the sole authority to call a special session. And I've been saying that he, he should have been doing this. He can call a special legislative session to appropriate funds for a full signature match audit. The state legislature also could order the secretary of state to do that via a law. The special legislative session can also help secure the special election coming up for the people in Georgia in a month and a day by requiring a, a thorough signature match process withstanding any executive branch consent decree or clarifying other best practices uh, like observer access and ID consideration. And Kemp can use the authority to propose budgets to, th to threaten the future budget of the secretary of state. If the secretary of state, uh, you know, does this without a real signature match on it. The bottom line is he has a lot of power in all of this, a ton of it. Now we have updates and we have another update in Georgia. We have an update in Nevada, an update in Pennsylvania. Um, the Trump rally is taking place. The president understands the importance of this runoff race in one month and one day. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Let me give you some of the other updates we have. we got a lot of ground to cover today, and um, uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on the Georgia case, especially in the next hour. Lindsey Graham, Matt Towery, Brad Carver, uh, they're all on the, they've all been on the ground, all very, very concerned about what's going on down in Georgia and, and how it needs to be dealt with. Uh, so I think all of that is important. Um, a lot of developments in Nevada where the judge out there is laying out findings of fact on and conclusions. The case was made to the judge. The judge asked yesterday to see uh, all of the evidence. We thought we were going to hear from witnesses out there, whistleblowers, if you will. And we, we didn't. The, the judge said that he was going to read through the 8,000 examples that they had. I believe it's 8,000. And, that uh, you know, we might have a result by the time Hannity comes on uh, on the Fox News channel tonight, given there might be changes uh, in the news cycle. But we'll see. Uh, uh, Justice Alito on the U.S. Supreme Court did direct the other side to file a response. Uh, this Pennsylvania case is the constitutional case whereby the, the state of Pennsylvania's constitution was in fact violated as it relates to the issuance of mail-in balloting, which is specifically prohibited. This is a very strong constitutional argument. Uh, there, there are similar issues, legal statutory issues, with legal precedents in the Wisconsin case, and that's the case where they don't allow mail-in balloting. And to, to get an absentee ballot, there is a process where you a written requests are necessary, but to the tune of over 200,000 ballots, they were just handed out like the law didn't even exist on the books. Now, this has already been dealt with by the court. Now, the court was very, very clear last night, and, and this got very, very interesting to me um, because in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court yesterday, all right, they did refuse to immediately hear the, the, the suit in Wisconsin in the Supreme Court. They sent it down to the lower circuit court first. They said that's the statute requires that. But then they said occasionally members of the public seem to be in denial that our acceptance of a, a case signals the petition's allegations are either false or not serious. Nothing could be further from the truth. Three of the seven justices wrote. And a fourth justice just said, no, you just got to follow the law uh, before we'll look at it. So that, I found that very promising. 
25 till the uh, top of the hour, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of this uh, extravaganza here. Let me go back to Georgia for another second without belaboring the points here. Georgia election officials are now finally acknowledging some serious flaws in the procedures governing their mail-in ballot voting. And today they did announce some new restrictions on the absentee ballot process for the state's January 5th Senate runoff. And so in preparation of all that, two U.S. Senate seats provided, you know, for absentee balloting. But the chairman of the Macon-Bibb County Board of Elections said the distribution of these ballots will not be automatic and will require additional steps. Quote, just because you got an absentee ballot in the last election does not mean you will get an automatic ballot in this election unless you're one of our 13 or so thousand elderly or disabled that are on our list. Mike Kaplan said it in a meeting, if everyone else, even if you voted by absentee, November 3rd, uh, you have to request an absentee ballot. By the way, up to about a million ballots have been requested at this point. And I've, I've got to believe that a lot of them are from the Stacey Abrams group, which apparently is under investigation. So if I'm interpreting Mr. Kaplan correctly, there'll be no more unsolicited mail-in ballots to Georgia voters. Maybe they can take the dead people off the off the rolls as well. That might be nice. There's one other thing that I found. I said, you just, you know, this, this just can't happen. Um, but, uh, you know, and when is the Secretary of State going to give us an answer on what the suitcase container video shows us? Uh, you know, when, when are we going to get an answers from any of them? Because the, the governor noted in the, in the Ingram interview last night that the showing of suitcases, containers, of ballots, you know, rolled out from under the table after observers are kicked out. And the way he described it is concerning. You think, Governor? Concerning? Yeah, it's concerning. Um, anyway, so he says, I think we're working right now, and hopefully the Secretary of State will update us on exactly what was going on. Yeah, he didn't seem, he has not been showing much of an appetite to get to the bottom of all of this. Um, anyway, the uh, Georgia officials hired with, uh, hired a firm with connections to Dominion to do the audit of the Dominion voting machines, which now they're trying really hard to shred. Linda, you have an update. Weren't they shredding hard drives from these things? And a court stopped it, then started it up again, then stopped it again, but only in some locations. Can you believe that? Why the rush to destroy the machines? Why the rush to shred the hard drives? Because that's what I heard was happening. Not answering. Oh, anyway, so the secretary of state failed to, yeah, but my own producer doesn't pay attention. I love it. Uh, but anyway, they had a uh, pro V and V apparently, according to the Epic times had a preexisting relationship with dominion dating back years. And, uh, the secretary of state also failed to disclose that dominion had used technical conclusions from pro V and V in pre-election and the Georgia lawsuit. Remember they had problems back in the, in the primaries with these machines that we've gone into great detail. The New York Times brutalized Dominion over it. Forget about Sean Hannity. Uh, so, you know, we, we've, we've got to have the audit. This is one thing the governor is getting right of mail-in ballot signatures. But, you know, bring the, bring the legislature back in session, governor. What's the big deal? Do your job. Give the people of Georgia the confidence that they need heading into January 5th. You don't have a lot of time. Uh, so, you know, it just, all of it just, uh, just gets Did frustrating. Did you need me, boss? I'm sorry. 
Now, I was saying they were racing to tread the hard drives in these Dominion machines in Georgia. Remember the judge said. Oh, they oh, weren't can- racing. They had them parked out back. Yeah. There okay. was no racing. This was completely prepared. They knew they and had then the to judge shut stopped as soon as it, it happened. And then the judge allowed it again, except for three counties. What, what kind of ruling is that? Yeah, but see, here's the problem, right? So there, there are pictures. There's all these amazing patriots, right, that have sort of deputized themselves all around the country. And they're pulling into these parking lots in these contested cities, right? And they're sitting there. And all of a sudden, they're seeing these U-Haul pods pull up next to these e-shred trucks, and people are taking these hard drives and laptops and all these different machinery and they're throwing them in. So people get out of their cars or their trucks and like, what are you guys doing? What's happening? I'm nothing to see here. Move along. Same thing's happening with paper ballots. And people are finally taking it upon themselves now that their you know, elected officials have decided to, to just lay down and not fight as they were elected to do. They're taking it into their own hands. They're putting these pictures up. And they're hoping that they can get it up there long enough so it goes viral before big tech takes it down and tells you it never happened. Nothing to see here. Move along. I mean, there's some really shady stuff going on. Just unbelievable. Why These should be protected, frankly, for years. You know, it, it, remember, we didn't get the, for, the computer forensic experts. I, look, I've, I've done everything I can possibly do. You are one of the few people that can really, really testify to the fact that I am a techno, technological dope. And it takes my kids to download my apps, although I really have figured that out now. Oh, you should be proud of me. Yeah, you're much it, better. It only takes yeah. you about three tries, four tries it, now, and you get it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But but it's not my thing. And I don't even have a computer. Any, I have no computer. I have no email. You know, I have one device now that, you know, changes constantly. That's my but, life. But, you know, I was, I was just saying this to somebody else about Georgia and specifically. And I said, you know, people are too busy trying to feed their kids and pay their mortgage to try to understand what, you know, air gapping is and what's happening between flash drives and USBs and how people are, you know, getting themselves on the Internet. And there's something called Q-Snatch, which allows people to be able okay. to take your no, credentials. This, this and, is like me giving a football analogy. You talking about this. this well, that's what I'm saying. People don't have time for this. Free and fair elections should be just that free and fair and clear. They and don't concise. use machines in Canada. Why? Because they're smart. That's in why. Canada. Were you kidding me? Canada is the home of Dominion. And what? Well, it doesn't matter. They don't use them in their country. Yes, they do. They're just under a different name. Remember, Dominion has four subsidiaries. They have, they have, You've got they, Sequoia, Diebold, Smartmatic. They have they, printed they declare bankruptcy and rename Canada. They have hand ballots. Yeah, they also have great printing companies there. My, now, my point even goes beyond that, though. The, the other thing is, when, what, what are we going to have? Vote, election day in perpetuity? You know, four weeks out, six weeks out. Three weeks out, two weeks out, early voting, mail-in voting. You know, the COVID was used as the reason. Dr. Fauci said voting in person was not a problem with social distancing and mask wearing. That, the one thing they never quoted Dr. Fauci on, that all the Fauci lovers, Fauci, Fauci, Fauci. And I have nothing against Dr. Fauci. I, I'm, I'm not one of these people. I know he got a lot wrong. Everybody got a lot wrong. I'm not critical. I don't think he did it on purpose. I, I don't even think Cuomo made that executive order on purpose. To say it is just it would mean he's, he doesn't have a soul. I don't believe that. I just think people made dumb decisions and then people politicized it like they always do. Um, and, you know, what we ultimately Donald Trump got us three vaccines. Donald Trump got us real therapeutics like Regeneron. Regeneron saved Dr. Carson's life. I told you I called Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson told me, yeah, Regeneron saved my life. And I'm like, thank God. 
because that was one of the, you know, therapeutics to come out of the president's work. You know, I can tell you a lot of people that I know that got coronavirus used hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, zinc, vitamin D3, uh, quercetin, and vitamin C. I can tell you a ton of people. Linda, we know people that used many, many people. Louis Gohmert, uh, I believe Rand Paul, all these people used it. I'm not going to give their names out. Only those that have, you know, I believe in medical privacy for crying out loud. Well, we I, don't need to give their names out. We've no, got but, they, but they've said publicly on our podcast that, in fact, they, they took all this. We have professors from Harvard and other Ivy League institutions. Stanford, from, Baylor, people yes. that have practiced in ICUs, have treated 2,000 COVID patients. Dr. Who Daniel to Wallace. Hill? But wait, who do they send to Capitol Hill to testify against these people who have treated and run the front lines of these COVID operations? A person that has never treated one COVID patient in his life. The sad, yeah, the that was does. embarrassing. That was Disgusting. embarrassing. Now, Dr. Daniel Wallace, how many more times do I have to read his letter? The foremost expert on hydroxychloroquine, who's the largest lupus practice in the country, 42 years dispensing hydroxychloroquine, the risks at the levels taken for people for COVID treatment for 30 to 60 days, which nobody took. It was uh, the most I heard was three weeks that somebody took it. Most people took it either five days, seven days, or 14 days on the high side. And for every single person, and every study since has shown, the only two studies that were negative against hydroxy were both pulled. That, those were the two quoted and most often cited by the mob. And that was the Lancet study, and I think it was, what, the, the Journal of Medicine study. The other, they were pulled for lack of, of, of accuracy, but they ignored the foremost expert. You know, and the other thing is, and I always get suspicious, you know, all, all these other new drugs that actually make, make a lot more money. You can make a dose of hydroxy for seven cents. Uh, but again, the studies all did say you got to take it early in the infection for it to be to maximize the success. Why does it work? I don't know. I've had all the doctors on explaining it to people. And I'm not telling you what to do here. I am only telling you so that you think for yourself and talk to your own doctor. You know, Dr. Oz said it best. He said two things. You go to war with the army you have, not the one you wish you had. We, Of course, we wish we had all the studies possible, but we didn't. Okay. Secondly, when politics and medicine intersect, politics always wins. Because Donald Trump said he, he liked it and it showed promise. That was the end of that. And it's just sad that this is the mindset of so many people. Um, by the way, I'm very happy that our friend Lou Holtz actually was honored and the president called him one of the greatest Titans in American football history. That's all true with the medal of freedom, the highest honor any civilian can ever receive. Can you imagine anybody more deserving of that than him? And, you know, he said, I want to assure you how proud I am. Not only received the award, even prouder to receive it from president Donald Trump, who I think is the greatest president of my lifetime. He's been amazing. Never gets credit. By the way, did you see this Biden thing last night? I, I only got to watch clips on, like, you know, social media that people were sending me and about resigning after developing a disease. But all kidding aside, it's, it's a matter of the thing. We are simpatico on our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach, approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have, and 
When we disagree, it'll be just like it's so far. It's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C or D. And I'll say, I don't I like A, don't like B and C. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. But and I like I told Barack, if 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 I reach something where there's a a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll uh, I'll 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 develop some disease and say I have to resign. I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Oh, man, uh, this is why they never let this guy out of the basement. This is, th- listen, let me let me make a prediction here, and it's not a really hard prediction to make. Uh, we're we're going to have questions about this in the, in the days to come, weeks to come, months and years to come, if he ever became the president. God help us. You know, I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Oh, man. Oh, now this makes sense. He's going to keep Christopher Ray as the FBI director. Gee, what a shocker. Unbelievable. Um, he laughed off the question of the president attending his inauguration. It's only important to demonstrate the end of the cast. Okay, so basically he uninvited the president. Now the president doesn't have to go, which not be the first time in history. Oh, my gosh. He's not going to go. Like, All right, so what? I don't care if he goes or not. Do you, Linda? Who cares? You know why he doesn't have to go if that if that if it comes down to that? Yeah, I guess. Now they're shutting down everything in California. They're gonna have what a three week shutdown. Um, and all right, so now you have the the, the beginning of the Biden uh, predictable economic contraction because that's exactly how that's gonna end. You know. So anyway. Anyway, it looks like Joe is apparently running down the hallway half naked when he slipped and broke his foot. He says he's coming out of the shower, started chasing his dog down the hallway, whereupon he slipped on a bath mat and broke his not a pretty picture. Okay, what so, happened was so like, I'm sure everyone on, man. that, right? Come on, man. Who he, chases he, their he, dog junkie? half naked? I don't know. I'm serious. This guy I, is so just, full of it. He can't even tell the truth about that. Come on, man. Come on, man. You a junkie? (laughs) Oh, God, help us. But please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are are you a junkie? You You a junkie, huh? Huh? Take a cocaine test, huh? Huh? This is not okay. It's not okay. It really isn't scary. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program on this uh, Friday. We'll get to your calls later. Uh, Let me go back um, to the great state of Georgia. And, you know, we played in great specificity and detail and had a full analysis. These newly released surveillance footage uh, oh, no, no, this is a normal process they're now saying today. I'm like, yeah, normal. We always have suitcases full of ballots that we just take from under the table after we kick out the poll observers. And then we only allow the four people we want in the room uh, to be in the room to count the ballots for that period of time for hours. Anyway, observers asked to leave the room. One eyewitness after another saying so. There's about 100 of those and several large suitcases with ballots rolled out from under a table. You know, these pretty serious claims. I'm worthy of an investigation, I'd say. Uh, but anyway, Brad Carver, head of government affairs, Matt Towery, syndicated, syndicated columnist, attorney, pollster, 
uh, here to unpack everything. Another thing that happened last night is the Georgia governor was on Laura Ingram's program last night and said that he has called for the signature verification uh, check to happen, but he has no power to do anything about it. That just is not true. He could call a special session of the legislature, and they could they could certainly bring that up in a special session to to rectify the issue in this this lawsuit special consent deal that was signed on to by the Secretary of State that allowed mail-in ballots to have one verification system that was not anywhere near as stringent as as what the other residents of Georgia had to do. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome both of you back to the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Uh, is that a usual practice um, in the state of Georgia, Brad Carver, to be putting ballots in suitcases and then pulling them out from under the table after observers are asked to leave? No, it's certainly not. And and it wasn't just our Republican poll watchers that were that they were told they were shutting down for the evening. It was also a Fox Five Atlanta reporter, uh, producer Dave, that was also asked to leave at that time. In fact, our poll watchers exited the building with the Fox Five reporter, uh, thinking they would not be coming back to the next day. That that op- operations had ceased uh, for the evening. And from what we've understand, Ralph Jones. Uh, in the Fulton County Election Office that told people they would be starting back the next day because he had to be down in South Georgia uh, for some family issues. I can't believe that something like this would happen, especially in light of the fact that we now have with affidavits of a good friend of mine, Susie Bowles, from Fulton County, 20-year poll worker, that there were pristine ballots that were uncreased uh, that had uh, had looked like they were machine uh, marked on different quality paper that were included in those absentee ballots. So that's why all of us in our state GOP have have unanimously called for an audit of these absentee ballots, particularly in Fulton County. So, you know, let me go to you, Matt Towery, as we're watching all this unfold, and more importantly, the impact. You've been following this this Georgia Senate race, which is a week and a day, I'm sorry, a month and a day away. And, you know, uh, we, that's not a lot of time uh, and the poll results, if you look at Trafalgar today, a little, a little bit mixed. He seemed to have Kelly Loeffler ahead and Purdue down. You had Purdue up by one and and Loeffler down by one. So, you know, we're getting some mixed results here. And, and Survey USA had both Republicans down. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, let me say hello to my law partner, Brad Carver. That's, uh, um, he's in Atlanta. I'm in Florida. But uh, Brad has done a great job up there for Hallbrook Smith uh, looking over all these results. Um let me just say this, uh, Sean. It, it, I've told our, your listeners over the last month or so, well, since this thing ended, that something very strange in Georgia took place. And the problem is so many Georgians who are voters feel like something took place. They were, they're still furious that the governor, the secretary of state, and their elected leaders in the legislature haven't really taken any significant steps to try to deal with what they think they thought before was obvious fraud. Now they see this tape. On top of the things that I told our listeners last week, that the optical scanners for the signatures didn't work magically in Fulton County, um, the, 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 the number of circumstances in which 147,000 ballots were hand-certified as far as their uh, correct signature, that's just impossible to do, as, as, as Rudy pointed out earlier, with a very small rejection rate. Well, these Georgia voters are hearing all of this. And these Republican voters are extremely discouraged over it. And the difficulty we have is we have about a month to see whether they can be recharged, re-excited, and get back out to the polls. And I would say right now it's on the heads of these leaders in Georgia. 
the governor, the secretary of state, and the legislature, they either got to get off their rear end or expect to lose those two Senate seats because these Republicans are not excited right now. And even the president may not be able to get them back out. Well, I bet he's got better things to do but to head down to Georgia tomorrow. But it's that important to him and, and frankly, his legacy as well. Um, for sure, um, regardless of how this ultimately turns out here, we, we don't need 50 Democrats in the U.S. Senate. Let me go to what the governor, Brian Kemp, said yesterday on Laura Ingram's show, because I don't believe he told the truth here. You know, I called early on for a signature audit. Obviously, the secretary of state, per the laws and the Constitution, would have to order that. He has not done that. I think it should be done. I think especially with what we saw today, it raises more questions. There needs to be transparency on that. Uh, I would again call for that. And uh, I think in the next 24 hours, hopefully we'll see a lot more from the hearings that the legislature had today. And we'll be able to look and see what the next steps are. Okay, that's a lot of uh, baloney, isn't it, Matt Towery? Because my understanding is only he has the authority to call the legislature back in the session. Or I'll ask Brad first. Brad? Well, actually, I, I will tell you this: uh, the Secretary of State does have the authority to do this. I, I know that there's there's some funding issues which certainly can be worked out. But 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 the the problem with any kind of verification that's just done by Fulton County election personnel when when the hand count was done in Georgia, uh, one of our on the ground observers, Susie Bowles, who was an election worker, was prevented from seeing certain groupings of the ballots during that. Uh, that uh, hand count validation process, and so we do think an independent observation of of these uh, absentee ballots is in order. I mean, with the first question being, how many outer envelopes are are, are there? Because there's 147,800 absentee ballots, and and we see these uh, these containers of ballots wheeled in under the table. Um, th- those are certainly not going to have outer envelopes associated with them. So the first question is. What's the difference of totals between, and I, I bet it will be a substantial number, 20,000 or more. Well, that would be enough to flip the election. Matt, let me go back to Brian Kemp for a second here. Um, now, it's true, yes, the Secretary of State could do it on his own, but he, he's not shown any willingness to do it. You know, what the governor's trying to claim is that he has no power, no say whatsoever. That just isn't true, because they could bring the, the state legislature in session. He has the sole authority to do that. And the legislature could bring it up and then they could, you know, make the changes that are necessary to ensure free, fair elections that the people of Georgia will have confidence in. Well, we're really talking about two different things, Sean. The secretary of state's the one who has the authority to order this this um, verification and the signatures, independent verification. So in that sense, Brian is right. Brian Kemp, Governor Kemp is right. But. The governor could have called a special session quite some time ago. It's obvious that we had serious problems, and we have another election coming up on January 5th that if if it doesn't get fixed, you're going to see a repeat of these same problems. Maybe not on as large a scale, but then again, the vote's not on as large a scale, so it doesn't take as much. Yes, a special session should be called to ensure the election coming up January 5th. Now, they can claim they can't do it in time, that it won't make any difference. The truth of the matter is the public in Georgia needs to feel like that the that their elected officials are on top of the vote in that state. It is just that simple, and they're undermining the public's confidence and even wanting to vote again on January 5th. I think that's what these leaders are missing. And, and well, Brad, when we go back in the history of this, this was a lawsuit brought by the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and, and a, a consent agreement with the Secretary of State's office 
uh, that resulted in the the two varying uh, uh, signature verification systems, but also these drop boxes, you know, apparently all over the state that are just there that I, I, I don't believe those drop boxes are being monitored. I don't, that would bring up chain of custody issues of the ballots and who's putting these who's putting the ballots in the drop boxes. Uh, I think that should be addressed before January 5th, too. Um, now, let's say let's say the governor and the secretary of state don't do their job. My next question is, um, will Republicans be smart enough to be monitoring those drop box, uh, those drop boxes 24 seven with videotape? Uh, will there be enough people uh, there, political observers that will will immediately have numbers to call if, in fact, they're being not being able to see ballots being opened as the law requires? Matt Towery. Yeah, well, I, you know, look. <laughs> we had enough hard enough time in, in Georgia trying to get a copy of a film of an arena that had video all over the place. It took forever to get the State Farm Arena people to give it to the lawyers. And then when it came to these uh, lawyers yesterday, it came in this massive dump that they had to literally overnight try to get into a usable uh, format. So do I have any confidence that the video system for these little drop boxes and these off-site locations are going to be a way to see whether there's fraud going on or not? Absolutely not. Can the Republicans do something about it? Well, goodness knows if they've got $200 million plus flooding into the state, you can only buy so much TV and radio. I would surely hope they could put some of the effort into securing their ballots this time, which they obviously did not do enough in the presidential election. Brad Carver, are steps being taken now that we're good, that the drop boxes are going to be monitored and videotaped? Are steps being taken now that there will be enough lawyers at every location, enough poll watchers at every location, uh, with the insistence that every ballot that's being counted is checked? In other words, you're not six feet away or 20 feet away, that you actually get, they design a system, uh, even with COVID, where, okay, the person opens a ballot, shows everybody they're opening it, places it six feet away, and each side gets to observe it. Well, we, we absolutely are taking those steps, and I will tell you, we're just uh, just blown away with the outpouring of support. Sarah Lindsey Graham over in South Carolina has been calling for it, but we have a lot of volunteer lawyers that are coming to town. We've got a lot of volunteers from Georgia, from all over the state that are extremely concerned about this. So we're going to have the, the volunteer manpower, and we're certainly going to have the legal backup to do that. So you'll as do the Secretary the, of State and the governor's job, and you'll fix it? You will hey, put we're, checks we're gonna, in place? We're, we're going to do everything we can, that's for sure. All right, as we continue now with the release of this video in the great state of Georgia. But Matt Towery, is there a chance there's another tape available? If there is, I'm not familiar with it. I, the, the, okay. the tape that I was familiar with is the one that we've now we've now seen. Yeah, yeah. All I, right. I actually, I, he, I hear that there there is probably going to be another one. They they do have the surveillance uh, footage from a uh, from that a significant part of the time, and so I, I would be on alert that there's another one coming. And the uh, and one of the things I'm hearing is this leak issue that apparently stopped the voting had been resolved early in the day. Is that true, uh, Brad Carver? So that was a red herring. Yes, it sure was. It was the the leak was around six thirty a.m. on election day. Uh, it took about thirty minutes to repair. It was a very minor leak. Uh, it was in a different part of the of the of the State Farm Arena. Uh, open records requests show that the State Farm personnel were not understanding why the Fulton County election personnel were delaying the start. They actually delayed the start of the count from seven a.m. to eleven a.m. And as we know from the tape that was released yesterday, that was the time frame that they used. 
to wheel those ballots in and put them underneath the table. Now, those ballot containers are, you know, substantially similar, I think, to other ballot containers, but the the fact that they were segregated away under that table, uh, under a tablecloth, and then not brought out until later when the observers are gone and the Fox 5 media reporter is not in the room uh, is extremely disturbing. You know, I just got to wonder here, you know, people watching this, you know, I can understand they get frustrated, but there is a way to monitor this. This can be done even even in a month and a day, Matt Towery. And even whether you have an incompetent governor and secretary of state still can be done. But this, the consequences are so significant in the in, in these two runoff races. It's just beyond beyond description, actually significant. It's incredible. And, and, you know, it comes at a very tough time. You've got COVID uh, cases increasing in, in Georgia. You have Christmas time coming. You have holidays that people are supposed to take. And then the vote is on January 5th. It's a very difficult situation. The Republicans are going to have to get their act together very quickly. And let me make one last point here, Sean. If they want to wonder why people wonder about the integrity of this election, think about this. The press was told. There were, I actually saw the release that went out. They were told via Fox 5 and other affiliates, that they were going to have to be uh, later in counting the ballots in, in Fulton County. This was in the evening because of the water break. Okay, so if that was the case, why would you quit at 1030 in the evening? Why would you not press on all night? Instead, they told all these folks to go home. That is enough yeah. to be suspicious. By and, and no explanation why weeks later thousands of ballots just showed up out of thin air, huh? They just showed up. Yes unbelievable. And if the politicians don't understand how incredulous their voters are, then they have lost touch with their voters. All right, Matt Towery, thank you. Brad Carver, thank you. Lindsey Graham's take on this, the other issues of the day, and what needs to be done uh, moving forward. 800-941-SHAWN. We also have a whistleblower uh, from yesterday's hearings before the Georgia State State Senate. And uh, we'll tell you what was in this affidavit. Pretty shocking. That and more. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Yes, we'll have the whistleblowers the media is ignoring. In other words, real evidence. Rudy Giuliani, we have Kaylee McEnany, much, much more. Uh, Senator Perdue of Georgia will be on tonight as well. We'll continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham uh, is uh, with us. Uh, Senator, welcome back to the program. Look, you had $140 million thrown at you. We see the same amount of money now being thrown into Georgia. These same Hollywood idiots, you know, the, the Alec Baldwins of the world, uh, yeah. you know, what's that full house? Alyssa Milano, Deborah Messing. You know, by the way, the same crowd that wanted to boycott Georgia less than two years ago now going in and telling Georgians how they ought to be voting in this uh, upcoming uh, two Senate races, uh, the runoff coming on January 5th. Well, I hope there'll be the same backlash in Georgia as there was in South Carolina, but, uh, you know, hope's not a strategy here. So what are they saying? They're awfully encouraging people to not vote in the uh, Senate races, the liberals are, and they're asking people to write in Donald Trump as a protest vote. They're not trying to help President Trump. They're trying to help the radical Democratic Party. So I'm worried. So the numbers came out today, Sean. Act Blue, you know, the digital fundraising platform for Democrats. Yep. Guess how much money uh, they've raised in Georgia for the two Democratic senators since October the 15th through November two, the 20th. 200 million? 66 million for one, 63 million for the other. Uh, Win Red, which is the Republican alternative to Act Blue. 
that same period of time, $30 million for one, $27 for the other. We're getting outlays two to one on digital platforms. Jeez. These people are all in. Stacey Abrams somehow convinced Georgia Republicans to enter into a consent decree that makes it harder to validate mail-in voting. Uh, I just don't know. I just am very worried about what I see in Georgia right now. Now, the governor was on last night, and I've been very critical of the governor. I've been even more critical of the secretary of state, who has been too busy fighting you uh, and irritated. You know, all you're trying to do is help. Uh, You've even put your money where your mouth is. And I think out of your own campaign funds, you've sent well over a million dollars at this point. Um, You're up to three now. Yeah. Okay. You said three million dollars, which, by the way, that's not very common among politicians. But but you're sharing, you know, money that you you raised and didn't have to in the end spend, uh, which is is important to do. Uh, So last night he goes on Laura Ingram's show and and says that, well, one, I've called for signature signature audit and two, which you and I have been discussing in detail um, and says that it's up to the secretary of state. I can't do anything else, which is not true because he he has the authority, the loan authority to call the legislature back in a session and fix these issues to assure people that this mess is not going to continue in a month and a day when the Senate runoff takes place. Here's what he said. You know, I called early on for a signature audit. Obviously, the Secretary of State, per the laws and the Constitution, would have to order that. He has not done that. I think it should be done. I think, especially with what we saw today, it raises more questions. There needs to be transparency on that. Uh, I would again call for that. And uh, I think in the next 24 hours, hopefully we'll see a lot more from the hearings that the legislature had today. And we'll be able to look and see what the next steps are. All right. So you you hear him there. Now he can call the legislature into session. You're aware of it. I'm aware of it. Matt Towery and Brad Carver are on. They're aware of it. Why is he acting like he can't? Okay, there's two things here. Now, this was a big statement by the governor. You and I have been talking about auditing the mail-in ballot signatures in a bipartisan fashion, in a professional fashion, to see if the results on Election Day would withstand scrutiny when it comes to signature verification. The governor last night on Laura's show said he is for that. I'm not so sure the legislature can order that. The legislature can change the rules for the next election requiring bipartisan signature verification. The legislature can void the consent agreement and institute a new law, but I'm not so sure they can order an audit. That maybe is up to the Secretary of State. But here's the good news. Kemp, good conservative guy, and you know, I wish he would be more aggressive about calling the legislature in. But here's what I believe that the state of play is. The Secretary of State is the sole person with authority in Georgia to audit the signatures on mail in voting for the presidential election. And I would give anything if he would, because I don't think it will withstand scrutiny. Well, I don't think it will either. Now, all right. Now we have a lot of different steps here. One, let's start with the president is is holding a rally tomorrow. All right. So right. I think that which is extremely helpful. I would like to see go, uh, Senator Perdue and Senator Lafart. They'll be with the president. I right. think they should join the president in this effort to demand signature verification. Yes. Uh, so let, let's. Why is this important, Sean? Under Georgia law, they did a consent decree that basically allowed the ballot application to be used to verify the signature. That's literally like comparing the forger's signature to his own signature in a bad check case. You want to actually compare the signature of the check to the person who owns the account. So they need to 
changed the consent decree because that's adulterated the uh, the database. But more importantly, they need to make sure that signatures are validated bipartisan. When you go to vote on election day in Georgia, there's a Republican and Democrat checking your ID to make sure you are who you say you are. There is no such system for mail-in voting. So what do we need to do is make sure that a mail-in ballot has the same checks and balances if you voted in person, and that goes back to verifying the signature. The legislature should change the law to make it more bipartisan, better signature verification, and the Secretary of State should audit the signatures uh, that were sent in on Election Day to see if they uh, were the withstand scrutiny. Yeah, well, one thing that they got to think of, too, look, people need confidence in the vote. Republicans now do have the ability to set up poll observers in locations everywhere. You know, as part of that stupid agreement and as a result of the Democratic Party, the Democratic of Georgia, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee uh, and the congressional committees all sued in March. That's that's how far back they've been planning this. And then they got these concessions from the Secretary of State, among which were, well, if you do mail-in ballots, as long as the signature on the application matches the ballot, you're good. If you vote in person, though, you have the much higher standard. you got to show a photo ID, and your signature on Election Day is matched to the state's database that has everybody on it, uh, which, by the way, they did not yeah. force on the people with mail-in ballots. That is a double standard. Now, the next step is they got they at least got to monitor these drop boxes all around Atlanta. Okay, so that, that's a good explanation. Okay, you need to go back in legislative session and pass a law to undo the consent decree and to reinforce bipartisan signature verification for the Senate election. Right? Don't let Stacey Abrams screw it up twice. In other words, change the law that she created. Go to a, 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 a more transparent, more reliable way of validating signatures for the Senate races. As to President Trump, you would be doing the country a great service if you would allow the Trump campaign to engage in a review of the signatures on the envelopes used for mail-in balloting in a bipartisan manner to see if they are actually who they say they are. That audit, I think, would shed a lot of light as to how the mail-in balloting worked on Election Day. And I, I can't understand why we're not doing that. You know, the Secretary of State, I'm not asking you to tell me how Bob Smith voted. I'm asking to allow a bipartisan review of the signatures to see if the checks and balances on Election Day actually worked. Well, I mean, the answer is it obviously didn't. Because if you have a fraudulent ballot or an application for a fraudulent ballot, obviously it's going to be sent to the person who's going to fill it out, so that that signature is going to match the signature of the purpose. We, we will never, we'll never know till we audit those signatures. We'll never know. Yeah, um, which is pretty amazing. Now let's talk about the, the broader issue here, and that is the importance of these two Senate seats. Okay. Uh, well, let's just let's put it very simply. Fifty. If we lose both seats in Georgia, which we could do, we shouldn't, but we could. We're getting outraged, and I don't like what I see. Uh, if you have 50 Republicans, that means Schumer is in charge, not McConnell, because the vice president breaks ties. That means the budget chairman would be Bernie Sanders, uh, not me. If you have 52 Republicans, I'm the budget chairman. Chuck Grassley's the judiciary chairman. If you have 50 Democrats, 
if we lose the two Senate seats in Georgia, then uh, probably Dick Durbin's chairman of judiciary, Bernie Sanders' chairman of budget, and the ability to stop the radical agenda coming out of the House goes away. Uh, an attorney general could do another Mueller investigation without checks and balances. Uh, if you got 52 Republicans, a lot of their legislative dreams of the radical left die. And if you have 52 Republicans, we can have a check and balance over wild nominees like the OMB person or attorney general been on revenge. Yeah, well, yeah. Now, it's also important to the president, you know, for those people saying, well, you know, it's very important that the president's supporters, he had an army of 74 million people vote for him, a lot of them in Georgia, and they're probably pissed off at all that they've seen, including that videotape we released last night. Right. And so, you know, they can get frustrated by all of this. But the point is, you know, everything that the president's accomplished, whether he's there or Biden's there, is, is in jeopardy. Um, because they would want to roll back everything he's done. If they have the House and the Senate, uh, it, that is more easily accomplished. Secondly, we know you saw Andrew Weissman. He he wants right. if Biden's president. He wants Biden's AG to basically investigate Donald Trump into perpetuity, uh, meaning that, you know, on the witch hunt, right. believe it or not, he wants to go back to Russia. That's how nuts these okay. people are. You saw what they did to Ivanka yesterday, right? I mean, Ivanka literally had an email from 2016 that says, ask, you know, negotiate for fair market value. That's it. The email says it all. And you have five (laughs) hours with a Democratic DA that's trying to harass her. So let's say, let's play this out. You got 52 Republican senators and President Trump falls short. Biden wins. And we got Biden as president and Pelosi as Speaker of the House. If you got McConnell as the leader of the Senate, and I'm budget chairman and Grassley's judiciary chairman, they try to do this stuff. We have the ability to go to the Biden administration and say, if you continue this crap, if you do Mueller round two, good luck getting any of your nominees through the Senate. Good luck with an attorney general hellbent on being Mueller two. We actually have leverage and control to stop some of the abuses that would happen if we lost the Senate seats in Georgia. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with Senator Lindsey Graham on the other side. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, as we continue with Senator Lindsey Graham talking about this Georgia Senate runoff in a month and one day. I want to know this because, and this is very critical, the polls have been very close. You know Matt Towery. He does insider advantage. He had Purdue up one. He had Loeffler down one. Uh, then you had Survey USA had Loeffler and Purdue down by a small margin. Then you have Trafalgar today actually had Kelly Loeffler up by five and Purdue down by one. I, just, I don't know how to read it except to say that means it's too close to call, which means that every vote in Georgia is really going to matter. So if you believe the Georgia mail-in balloting system needs to be strengthened, why won't we do that? There's two things that the president's going to ask of Georgia leaders tomorrow night. The rally. He's going to ask that the mail-in votes, the ballots, the signatures on the envelopes be audited because he believes that the mail-in system that basically Stacey Abrams created was full of fraud, and you won't know until you do an audit. The Secretary of State could do that if he chose to. Secondly, he's going to ask that the governor and the leaders of the state house go back into session and strengthen the laws to protect the Senate race from fraud when it comes to mail-in voting. 
if they would do those two things, it would unite the party, it would be fair to the president, it would be fair to the voters in Georgia. If they don't do those two things, we're going to have a real problem with our party unity. Well, I agree, but I think people need to have confidence there. But, you know, what do you say to some people that are frustrated? They're like, well, they stole it once, I can't go out and vote again. That, to me, is the wrong attitude. Well, I proved to them that, you know, and this is where Republicans need to step up and make sure they have enough poll watchers. You know, for example, it's got to be determined ahead of time. Nobody can see anything from six feet away, Lindsey Graham. And the statutory language allows for partisan observers to observe the whole process. Well, it goes back to validating signatures under the current law. A single person in an election office can do it. It should be done the same way. When you vote in person, you've got two people there checking an ID to prove you are who you say you are. You need something like that for mail-in voting. You're going to have to change the law to get there. But here's what I would say to anybody in Georgia who believes in conservatism that wants to protect President Trump's legacy and his family. Vote in the Senate races. If you don't, you're setting in motion the destruction of Donald Trump's family, the destruction of his legacy, and the implementation of socialism in America. Well, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's a lot at stake. Uh, all right, Senator Lindsey Graham, we actually have your colleague, uh, Senator Perdue, on tonight on Hannity. Thank you for being with us. He's a good man. All right, thanks. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We have more eyewitnesses, in other words, whistleblowers that you won't hear in the mob and the media coming up. Uh, Real evidence being presented by real people under penalty of perjury. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the uh, program, we've been spending a lot of time talking about Georgia today in this runoff. It's a month and a day. It is January 5th, uh, and uh, the stakes couldn't be higher, as we've been, we've been discussing all day. Uh, now we had the Senate hearings in Georgia yesterday, among which this is where we saw this video. I've, I've been hinting and telling people for weeks now that this is coming uh, I had it described to me. It's been a long process behind the scenes. I won't bore you with it. Uh, you know, you, you you look at what's what's happening here. There is a large number of some right, uh, sometimes outright fraud, and sometimes um, these irregularities. Many, many thousands of votes that were improperly counted, which means many, many thousands of Nevadans whose votes were disenfranchised. 1,506 votes from dead voters, 19,218 votes from non-Nevadans, and particularly striking is 42,284 votes from double voters. Everybody should be shocked because, and it's backed up by these witnesses, some of which we had on Hannity last night. And, you know, observers are now asked to leave the room. Remember, all these states have statutory language that specifically say and go into detail uh, as it relates to a partisan observers watching the count from start to finish. That means every ballot, they get to see it. And then, of course, no state allowed anybody to get closer than six feet. Now, okay, you got to take into consideration social distancing. I'm fine with that. But that should mean, okay, a ballot is picked up. A ballot is, you know, over the shoulder shown to Republican and Democratic observers so they can see it. And after the ballot marked, boom, show you what the mark is. You go over, you put it on a table six feet away. Each person gets a chance to look at it and you bring integrity to the system. 
But anyway, then the surveillance footage showing partisan observers, they were asked to leave. They're not, they're not allowed to be asked to leave. And then all of a sudden, these mysterious large suitcases uh, with ballots are rolled out from under these tables. And the video of the observers, again, on video, asked to leave the vote counting location. Then you got just a few poll workers. Certain poll workers are allowed to stay behind. And when you look at it, and then as people explain to us that we're actually there and then actually asked to leave, uh, the ones that stayed out, they roll out the suitcases as soon as those had to leave left, and the media was kicked out too. And then literally taken out of under a rectangle uh, table. And so why, the question is, were those suitcases hidden under the table if they were filled out with ballots because then immediately thereafter, for a couple of hours, those few people then were counting votes again. Well, that was supposed to be observed by both sides. Uh, beyond serious allegations here in warranting um, an obvious investigation. Um, now, uh, we have Garland Favorito is with us. And this story is interesting. Now, uh, now Garland was supposed to be the sixth witness for the president's legal team. And then one of the senators personally scratched him from the list, moved him to the bottom, and then cut off the witness testimony. And, you know, he was cut to protect, I guess, the Georgia Republican establishment there uh, because uh, the testimony would have, you know, would have discussed what was going on in the State Farm Arena video with spikes and Biden votes on election line and in the feed that was there. And anyway, Garland joins us now, Fulton County resident, career information technology professor, professional with 40 years experience. Uh, Linda says we may have met in the past. Uh, can, you, can you refresh my memory? Yeah, Sean. As you know, you used to live in Atlanta, and I've, I've met you once or twice. I think once at a Bob Barr function a long, long time ago. Yeah. Uh, gave you a book that I wrote. Um, and, uh, you, of course, he used to be the, um, um, the, the guy for Newt Gingrich down here. So, um, yeah, I've met, met you quite, quite a few times. So I appreciate you having me back on the show. It's been, uh, it's been great. So let's go. You were number yeah. six. Why'd you get moved down at the end of the list? And then you didn't get a chance to testify. Yeah, so uh, Jenny, Jenny Beth had done a great job of organizing president's witnesses. Uh, we had, she had got them all in the right order and just so we could uh, testify. But uh, the chairman personally spiked me from the list, uh, and only me, nobody else, uh, and moved me to the bottom of the list. And I had a lot of testimony that would have helped the president a lot. I could correlate the video to the election line feed. So at that very time that you uh, described, Sean, that was when Biden's jump uh, vote totals jumped up about 100,000 votes in uh, Georgia, according to the line feed. So just literally about a half an hour to an hour after they had scanned those ballots, they would have run them over to the to the warehouse and tabulated them. And that's when Biden got the big spike. So I had a lot of evidence. And in addition to another thing I know you want to talk about is the vote flipping in, uh, in one of the counties from Trump to Biden. But the reason that I was uh, spiked, I believe, is to protect the Secretary of State's office because I had testimony and that, you know, in my prepared statement that I had already seen that would have explained that the secret how the Secretary of State's compromised the hand audit process 
and how the elections director told the counties to certify the Dominion results and not the hand count audit results, and also some information about the legal counsel who prevented us from uh, monitoring in many cases when we should have been able to get closer and get our monitors on the floor. Um, I was, as a Constitution Party elections director, you know, we're really more nonpartisan, and also as the co-founder of Voter GA. So we were uh, blocked in a lot of cases from getting to the floor. All, all of that was in my testimony in 10 minutes, but none of, that was, uh, I think they read that, and that's why they decided to cut me, uh, they being the, um, the legislators. Um, and, and move me to the back, which which they knew we would never get get to get to because of the number of witnesses. So you you have now watch this video like everybody else in Georgia. What is the general consensus of the people there and the feeling of the people there? Because in a month and a day, the the whole world is going to be watching your state, my former well, state. Well, actually, the whole world's watching it right now, Sean, because we haven't settled this these presidential electors yet. And um, it's uh, it's very clear from the video, and and I'm I'm nonpartisan, but it's very clear from the video that uh, there were ballots brought in. Uh, in addition to what you saw and what you described on the video, we have four witnesses um, who are 20-year experienced poll workers, like the uh, Susie Vols, the leadoff witness. Um, we have three more of them who can say the same thing. They saw these pristine ballots that were not folded and not been mailed, and they were not marked with a writing instrument like an absentee ballot should be. They were marked with a toner or some type of, of copy or print indicating that they're fraudulent. And it appears that that would scale into thousands and maybe tens of thousands of ballots that are sitting uh, in the Fulton County boxes right now, and they just need to be inspected. How do you know this, by the way? Well, I was I was uh, at the audit. I was at the audit, and we had four counters. Uh, and they're, they're, we're talking about when I say counters, these are the people who were actually counting the ballots for the hand count of the audit. And four of them, uh, all very highly experienced poll workers, have all signed affidavits uh, that said they detected fraudulent ballots while they were counting. And they described the characteristics. And, the, and when I say fraudulent ballots, I'm talking about absentee ballots. An absentee ballot would only be marked with a pen or a pencil, and it would be folded. Uh, they, and was that, did that proper procedure follow? No. Uh, so what they so what they believe happened, and what appears to have happened, is that these fake ballots were introduced as real ballots into the uh, count. They were scanned and counted in as real ballots, and that that could very well tie to the video. Um, so it appears that they were in, injected, um, and they're not real votes. Now, somebody might ask, well, why doesn't the, the vote, the total number of ballots cast, uh, why does that still match the number of votes voted? Well, that's because the same folks who control uh, that ballot, absentee ballot room that you saw in video, also control the absentee ballot list. So it's not that hard to check off somebody as being voted on the absentee ballot list and then insert a false ballot for them into the election results. 
This is just unbelievable to me, you know. Now, here's my big question. You see what's what we see the situation that's unfolding. We watch the secretary of state. You heard the governor say, well, I don't have it. I said we needed the signature verification. To me, that was the real that was where, where the real vote challenge should have been from the beginning, um, because you can't have a, two separate standards that should have been matched to the same uh, database as day of voters. That didn't happen. And now are Republicans organizing in an effective enough way to have enough lawyers and enough poll observers? And are they demanding that that the six foot rule be handled if they need social distancing considerations? Are they are the accommodations for such being made now to guarantee that we can have real observing of the votes? Yeah, so that's a great point. John, um, the the monitoring is basically useless. Um, when you're told that you need to keep six feet away, that's just an excuse. You know, monitors in Georgia in the past have been able to work side by side with the uh, the people who are doing the work, so they can see what they're doing. Uh, this excuse of six feet away is basically prevents you from actually doing your job. For example, as me as a monitor, I noticed uh, in another county, DeKalb County, that they had the same type of, of apparent fraudulent balance that it looked to me. Um, but when I got uh, close enough to the table so I could try to determine that, I was you know, ordered to stay back six feet away to where I can't validate whether the ballots are legitimate ballots or whether they are fraudulently created. Now, so that defeats the whole purpose of monitoring, um, and that's what, uh, you know, we're told. So basically, the six-foot rule, as you pointed out, is basically useless, and it defeats the whole purpose of being a monitor, either for the hand count or for the recount. Well, uh, that has to be fixed before this, this runoff election count begins. Again, you have a month and a day to get it done there. Um, unbelievable. Well, we really appreciate you sharing all of this with us, Garland. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we wish you a lot of luck. And hopefully, you know, we'll get this done right for the people of Georgia. Thank you uh, for all your efforts. All right. As we continue back to our busy telephones here, Alex is in North Carolina. Alex, how are you? Happy Friday. Glad you called. I'm doing well, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. Good, good. Uh, just want to talk about the hearing yesterday. You know, I, I watched it, watched the video they released, uh, listened to their two expert witnesses who were great. And then after all that testimony in that video, which in my opinion was a bombshell, you know, they had two uh, what I assume were Democratic uh, females on the side still just not accepting that evidence, just saying, well, you know, those look like ballot boxes to me. That's that's pretty common. You know, where was the monitor? The monitor was there. And they just didn't want to accept the evidence that was in front of their face. And it's just like they're they're washed to this. Well, Biden's president, this is how it's going to be. We see no wrongdoing. Well, I mean, you know, this is the whole thing here. But this is why, you know, those of us that understand the importance of these two Senate runoff uh, races uh, are urging people to passionately understand that they got to get these things fixed. They ought to be monitoring the drop boxes now. Uh, they ought to be lining up enough lawyers and enough poll observers now. They ought to be insisting that it, in light of social distancing and a surge of coronavirus cases, 
that in fact uh, procedures are designed to allow vote partisan vote observers, those that watch the counting of the vote as legally allowed and required, that they be given an opportunity to inspect every ballot, every one, not not half of them, not some of them, not an occasional ballot, but that the the people that are opening these ballots that they would then have to provide for the Democratic and, and Republican poll observers an opportunity to see it up close and personal. All that means is just a little bit of preparedness, that the person that opens the ballot makes it available, holds it up, there's no sneaking around, and brings it over to a location at least six feet away, and one by one the Republican and the Democrat has an opportunity to challenge it. That's how it has to be done. Anyway, I uh, appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a uh, part of the program here. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 uh, till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. This has been a long week, and this has probably been, um, you know, it, it, it's been a hard haul. Linda and I were talking about this yesterday <clears throat> that, uh, you know, from the very beginning, we both actually recognized and talked about it quite a bit. And I kept saying, when can we get the people? Because we, you know, remember, first we were going over the election laws. Then we were becoming more aware of how deep this was. Then we're seeing how it got even deeper and deeper. It's like you're unpeeling layers of an onion here. What the hell happened in Pennsylvania? What happened in Wisconsin? What happened in Michigan? What happened in Nevada? What happened in Georgia? Look at what, how Georgia crescendoed yesterday with this videotape. And and one of the constant things I was saying, and you remember Kaylee McEnany was coming on every night. Remember, Linda, with the big piles of, well, these are affidavits. In these affidavits, these people are saying A, B, and C. And, you know, I kept saying to you and to them and to her and everybody that would listen, we need people. We need, you know, faces behind the affidavits of real people telling real stories Oh, don't you think we got a lot of that this week? That would be called real evidence, Linda. I mean, you know, listen, it's been really frustrating all around. I have, um, I've never worked this hard in my life and I've been in politics a long time now. And I know that it's seedy and gross and so is the news media business. But this past month, it was a month yesterday from the election. And I have to say it has been horrific. I have seen people put their lives on the line, put their names out there. Um, and really just put it all, put it all out there. Like, Hey, I'm just a regular person. I'm just doing this as a person. I'm coming out of pocket on my own, trying to uncover things, trying to save a Republic, you know, and people cannot get beyond themselves. They, they have so much ridiculous, petty stuff going on and it's so much bigger than all of us. You know, and the thing that, that you're, you're right on all the points. This is where the media is so corrupt. This is where Democrats are so morally bankrupt is that, you know, they they had an impeachment of this president over one anonymous hearsay whistleblower. One. We now have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of credible people that signed af- legal affidavits. I'll say it again, under penalty of perjury that are telling their stories and corroborating their stories. What do we have three people on between radio and TV this week uh, corroborating that they had military ballots and all of them had the birthday of January 1st, 1900 or 2020 to override the system. Exactly. Exactly. 
And, but the, and, but the bigger problem is here is that you have this, you know, this hired contractor or this USPS worker or this tractor trailer driver or this mother of four who's on the board of elections in her local county and they're getting death threats and people are throwing rocks through their windows because they're not willing to lay down and just capitulate because they want to stand up for what's hey. right. And I'll take it one step further. It's not just Democrats. Where's all our Republican congressmen right now that are hiding in their offices? Why aren't they out there screaming at the top of their lungs? Where are the Republicans? But, but, but we're not Republicans. You, I, you might be registered as a Republican. Well, unfortunately, know. Sean, uh, 435 no, members choice. of Congress, we got Dems and we got Republicans. We don't have any conservatives in there right. that are coming out. But in New York, you do have the choice of, of registering as a conservative. So I do that. But it is, you're right. Is there really an other alternative? There's not. You know Exactly. So you're stuck with radical socialism or weakness. I mean, that is the thing. It's disgusting. And that's the difference. Well, that's what that's why Donald Trump was able to do that, which no with which very few presidents in history have been able to do. And not only did he increase his vote size from this first election, he did it dramatically. And and that's why the 27 toss up states, all of them, according to the Cook political report, they all went Republican. That's why all these legislatures that were supposed to flip Democrat not only didn't, majorities were increased. That's why there's there's almost parity now in the House of Representatives. That's why I'll be very blunt here. I'm I'm not sure Joni Ernst and Susan Collins, uh, Lindsay, I think, was going to get over the finish line one way or the other. You know, a lot of these senators have their seats because of Donald Trump. And then, you know, when has it ever happened that Joe Biden, who underperforms Hillary Clinton, and and Barack Obama in every big city with minorities, except for the cities we're talking about. How convenient. Or do you really believe the guy that hid in his basement for the entire campaign protected by the media mob and, the, and big tech in this country in what I call the the candidate protection program? And they did all the dirty work for his campaign, bloodying up Trump every single day. COVID, 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 COVID. You know, meanwhile, they were impeaching the president when the president was putting travel bans and quarantines in effect and building out the PPE that no state governor, Democratic state governor, had prepared for and getting the job done. And now we have a vaccine. They knew about the vaccine, too, before the election. Let me tell you that they started those trials in July uh, in some cases, early August and others. They, they had the answer. The reason those those trials continued is because they were showing success and I was hearing from people inside telling me, yeah, we got we got the vaccine. They were telling me that in early October that they had the vaccine. They said we got yeah, but it. See, it's not even about the vaccine or Donald Trump or Joe Biden. What it is about is that we have these lifetime people that get into the Senate, that get into the House and they decide that they're bigger and better than the people that put them there. So now we've put them there again. Because the alternative were these radical socialist people that were running on the other side. So the choice was like, you know, weak Murkowski or socialist. You're like, great. Okay, this is a wonderful option. You know, so, you you know, you pick the best of the worst. But at the end of the day, it's not about Trump or Biden or the vaccine. None of this matters. All that matters is the republic. If we don't get it together right now, it's done. You don't have to worry about anything because you're going to be told what Donald Trump represented the biggest threat to the bureaucracy, to the swamp, to the sewer. You know, if you want to know why they they did Russia, Russia for three years and were willing to lie on the spectacular level and ignore the real Russian interference, the dirty dossier of Hillary and the 
that dossier, them being used to spy on candidate Trump, President Trump, all that we have talked about and everybody else got wrong, is that he he did drain the swamp and he got it down to the point where we're seeing the 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 black mud. You know, that's black, swampy mud look. And then all of a sudden the swamp creatures, you began to see their forms emerged in that tar, in that filth known as Washington. And there were Republicans and Democrats in it. And neither side liked it. Republican establishment hates him. You know, there's never been a Republican president that's governed as conservatively as Donald Trump. Never in my lifetime. And I was what? I've been a Reagan Republican my whole life. Didn't think that could be outdone or outmatched. It was stylistically yeah he's he's a disruptor he's an iconoclast he ran as being one he was one and as a result he accomplished more than anybody he gave republicans a backbone and a spine that was missing they needed a transplant but unfortunately you know if if he's not around they don't have it he is their spine and it's to me it's not about party it's about conservatism that worked about you you were a big part of the book tour this year that, that's why I wrote that book, America and the World on the Brink. We're on the brink. I mean, we're now on the brink. And, you know, that's why I, I, I just cannot say strongly enough to my friends in Georgia just how important this race is in a month and a day. But I see, can't... the problem is, I mean, the people in Georgia are one piece of it, right? So we've got Loeffler and Purdue. And whether you think that Loeffler and Purdue are the best choice. We know that their alternatives and their can and the people campaigning against them are the worst choice. So it's They're like you a have disaster. To, right. It's an you unmitigated to, disaster. You have to think about big picture. And right. sometimes you have to think big picture to get to where you want to go. And I think that that is what's really lacking right now in the conversation. Everybody needs to get beyond themselves and say, all right, I got to do this for the greater good because this is what matters right now. And that's all there is to it. And that will that will make a massive difference. Agreed. That, that will make a huge difference. All right, let's get to our phones. Michigan, Jim is standing by. Jim, hi, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Uh, I wanted to say a couple things. First of all, I want to say for thank you for your tireless fighting for years to save this country. You're oh, one of the main people. I can't do it without you. Oh, God bless you. But, you know, I, I, I observe the left, what they say, and I keep hearing this, uh, well, it's not enough to override the election. You know, and I, I believe, like a lot of other people, every vote is sacred. And our votes are being taken away. If you go through this election would say 100,000 votes there from dead people voting. How many people like me and my wife that went to vote, we were feeling good about it, uh, our votes were taken away. So anytime there's a phony vote, that's one great way to look at it. Anytime there's a phony vote, um, you got to understand something here. That means that they're canceling out your vote. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Right. Oh, that's okay. and thousands, they say, oh, well, it's a fluke here, and it's a fluke there. But they say that the left says they want every vote counted, you know, but they don't really mean that because then they turn around and say, well, you know, that's only 100,000 right there, so it's not going to override the election. You know, a 1,000 flukes all over the country doesn't just make one big fluke. It's not a fluke anymore. This, yeah, this There's not a coincidence either. No, this is, this is institutionalized fraud. You know, again, I go back. The numbers don't lie. Wow. 
You know, did you ever think that Joe Biden was more popular by 15 million votes than Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton? Never. 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 I don't believe it. That's why my answer is I don't believe it. uh, The rallies, everybody's fired up, everybody I talk to, you know, and then all of a sudden at night they always do this. I mean, you know, but not like this, but like Virginia seemed to start it years ago. They were late. Everybody said, wow, they're a couple hours late. What's going on over there? Then all of a sudden, this time it happens, they're late. It's never to the good. It's never a good thing. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you find out, well, how did Biden get ahead? How did he get ahead? He was getting smoked. Well, they listen, I appreciate the call. Night. I got to run, but uh, you're you're a good man. Thank you. Um you know, we can only point these things out and hopefully fix this in a month and a day. Andy in Virginia. Hey, Andy, how are you? Well, Sean, I wish I could say I was great like I would normally, but I'm concerned. You're concerned, and I'm grateful for your concern in showing all of this stuff. And there are 73 million voters who are concerned. What shocks me is Joe Biden isn't concerned. Does he think he can be a legitimate president when 73 million people don't believe in the vote? Why isn't he worried about this? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. Why isn't he? Cause they, cause they got their result that they wanted. You know, you think about it. Joe got to hide in the basement. He, he was in the can- candidate protection program protected by the media mob and protected by the big tech mob, you know, zero experience Hunter. You know, we've been on that story uh, and, and Biden family financial corruption since Peter Schweitzer's secret, uh, empires was released in 2018. We did the first interview with, with Peter it really opened my eyes and we've stayed on it and nobody asked him any questions about it. He got away with it. And then he was protected. Not only that, then they went out and, and did all the job of the campaign by bloodying up Trump every second minute hour of every day on media and on TV and radio TV and, and on social media. They did it every day. Uh, you can't get a better deal than that. Why, why should he leave his basement? Now you have a guy that, frankly, his cognitive abilities are, are questionable to me. His strength and stamina, beyond question to me, seems weak and frail and struggling. And, you know, they're going to, I guarantee it's going to be Hyden Biden in the White House. What the Democrats haven't figured out and the media mob hasn't figured out, because they'll say we're not going to cover Donald Trump if Donald Trump is uh, out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue when all is said and done. If that happens... I don't think he's going to be that quiet during this time. Be interesting to see if uh, if he uh, thinks about running again. If that happens, it'll be interesting. But you know, let's get to the point. I'm not there yet. Let's. I, I want these investigations to go forward. I'd like to see the Supreme Court take up the Pennsylvania case. I'm fascinated by the Wisconsin case. It's an extremely strong case. We've been following that. I want to see what this judge does out in Nevada. Uh, I want to see what happens in Georgia, what changes are made there. Um, There's a lot we're following. Anyway, thank you, Andy. That's going to wrap things up on a Friday. Uh, Please set your DVR. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. News you won't get from the mob or even big tech. Uh, Real witnesses, evidence, whistleblowers, you know, the courageous and patriotic type. And they're not anonymous or anything, and they're not a hearsay whistleblower. Also, the president's attorney out in Nevada updating you on that case. Uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani tonight updating on you on all of the cases around the country. 
Laura Trump joins us tonight, Kaylee McEnany, Senator Perdue, and much more. So hope you'll join us 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. See you tonight. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.